the way that we we tolerate flirting and infidelity way more than in other cultures. I feel like sometimes this this language of emotional labor, of prioritizing the self, can be detrimental to the point where we actually don't even care about the other person. I think the thing that I enjoy the least would be Parisians. It's kind of bad because there are a lot of them in Paris for some reasons. Hello and welcome to another podcast. Today's guest is a French creator who makes commentary videos about cultural trends, gender roles, and relationships. She has also published a book called Collapse Feminism, The Online Battle for Feminism's Future. I found her content to be well thought out and definitely discussion invoking, so I'm excited to dive into the intricacies of French culture and relationships, as well as get into some of the struggles we face with looking for love in 2023. Welcome to Alice Capel. Thank you for coming on today, Alice. Happy to have you Thank here. you for having me. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about the French dating scene. Let's start with that. Mm -hmm. So for anyone who's not living in France, what do you feel they have to know about the French dating scene? What do they have to know? It's interesting because like, obviously I, I've been traveling quite a lot and I taught French in various settings, etc. And like the topic of relationships and dating is something that comes back pretty often. Um, and usually I'm very, very negative. I go like, just be careful with those French boys. Cause like, they're going to talk, they're going to start talking to you or, uh, sound all romantic and blah, 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 but don't get trade, you know, but I would say that, yeah, maybe two things that come to mind with the, the dating scene in, in France is that it's less, uh, in comparison to other countries and other dating scenes, let's say it's less structured. So it's less oh yeah, you need to say to this person that you like them after like a couple of dates or like then you need to say this and this and that. It's more like, let's go with the flow, see where that goes. And I know that some uh, foreigners or expats can be a bit confused with all of that because they're like, am I in a relationship? Am I not in a relationship? What is going on? Uh, so I guess that would be like one one big feature of French, the French dating scene, another one. And it's interesting because I had a conversation um, on that topic with a British friend recently, is the way that we we tolerate flirting and infidelity way more than in other cultures. I mean, to be fair, like it's a very Latin thing, uh, to, to be honest. But um, it's true that, uh, for example, we were talking about is flirting cheating? And for me, it was like, no, it's not. And for him, it was like, yeah, it kind of is. And so that was interesting to see like the sort of cultural differences there. Uh, so I guess, yeah, two things that, that come to mind regarding like the, the dating scene here. Um, maybe in terms of like dating apps, I know a lot of French people, a lot of friends of mine use dating apps. We kind of all hate them. And it's like so anti-French, like it's so anti like all the, you know, the stereotypes we associate with like romance in France and things like that. So, but I guess like we, we do use them a lot as well. Yeah, that's very interesting. I think the first point is is uh, is something that comes up a lot, especially when we compare the French dating to American dating, which is all about labels and labeling yeah. the relationship. You know, you go on three dates, four dates, you're still dating around and seeing other people. And then you sit down and you have the exclusivity conversation. Mm. What is the, you know, what is the reaction to that uh, of French people? Like, how do they feel about that style of dating? You mean like the more with the labels and everything? Exactly. I feel like it's becoming more and more common though because of how open we are now about, you know, like open relationships and the fact that you can't just like have fun and like not communicate with the other person your intentions. So I feel like maybe 
it's I would say yeah maybe it's changing when maybe we communicate uh, way more uh, maybe we establish those labels way more as a form of you know maybe also with the development of therapy the therapy speak all those things so it's like hey you actually have to tell the other person what you feel um, and things like that because like you don't want to hurt them in the end um, and so maybe like putting the the passion on pause or on the side to uh you know like make sure that you don't hurt the other person so i guess yeah maybe it's changing maybe we're adopting that sort of dating style way more in france so maybe it's just me i don't know but i feel like it things are changing yeah where are you from in france are you from paris or somewhere else i grew up in the north of france uh in lille mm. and now i'm based in paris it's been two two months but i, I live very close to even i grew up quite close to to paris still so i would go to paris quite often so yeah mm -hmm. more like north of Northern France, really. Yeah, Lille is uh, one, two hours away from Paris, I think. It I, is, yeah. I stayed there at one point and I loved it. It was a lot more, I would say, Belgian influenced than it is. Exactly, like, yeah, yeah. A yeah, lot yeah. of beer drinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's funny because, like, for example, um, the way I was raised and, like, the things we say about people living uh, closer to Lille is, like, we're way colder than, you know, it's it's more like the German style, like the, the, the sort of German... Um, yeah, type of type of being where it's more like way more direct, way more. But that doesn't mean that we're cold at heart because like we're also known for being like very welcoming because people don't want to come to the north of France. You know, there's so many stereotypes around the the north of France. So it's like, no, we're actually nice. And like, you know, like we're not the, like the Parisians. But at the same time, like we're very more, um, way more direct in our style of communication as well. Yeah, very interesting. Do you find that Parisian dating is kind of uh, what I've heard is that it's quite commitment phobic and very much kind of dating around as well. Do you find that? Yeah, I don't know if it's something that's specific to Paris or if it's something that is just specific of living in big cities, because like everywhere I traveled, I spent some time in New York, London, etc. I always hear the same stories. It's like, yeah, it's either like you have two options, uh, either you have the people who don't want to commit just want the sort of situation shape type of thing and then you have the other type of people who are like i want to commit this is the moment i want to have kids husband and like so if you are in the middle trying to build connections but it's gonna maybe it's it can be a bit difficult because like that that one side of no no commitment can sometimes be sort of impersonal so for example like a friend of mine is trying to find yeah the sort of middle ground of like I want a connection. I want emotional involvement in that relationship. But at the same time, I'm not going to commit to like kids and, you know, marriage and things like that. And like, um, so I feel like it's, it's more of a city life thing. Just people having their career, people like so many people coming in, coming out. It's like constant flow and maybe have to add that extra layer of like Parisian romantic love uh, that makes it even less clear, I would say. Yeah, that's very true. I feel like cities like New York, uh, LA, uh, Paris, London, they attract a certain type of people that don't want to stay in their hometowns. So they come there looking for opportunities. And as such, they're obviously not as willing to have a family and settle and 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 do that kind of lifestyle. Um, the people that do that obviously st usually stay in smaller uh, towns. So of mm. course, then New York, you know, has the fame of you know, dating around for an eternity, like the most commitment-phobic yeah. city, I think in the world, I think I think New York and I, LA and Miami in the US at least are considered the worst to find someone, uh, to, to, you know, to commit to someone. 
Mm. And then, of course, you know, we have Paris and London, like all the big cities, they kind of fall into the same category. Do you mm. feel like uh, the dating scene, I don't know if you're in it, do you feel like it's changed in France in the last few years? Do you feel like people are becoming less willing to commit to a person, uh, to a relationship? Is everyone just looking for the next best thing? Mm, that's interesting. So I haven't been on the dating scene for a while because like I've went from relationship to relationship or like transition. Um, but like just from friends, etc. because that's a topic that comes back uh, pretty often in conversation. I feel like the COVID lockdown era had very much an impact on on my friends and their their relationship with with love and and romance um they started to crave stability way more than than they used to in the past and i feel like now now that we're really like out of that phase maybe the freedom wanting to experiment type of thing comes back um so that's something i've noticed among my my friend group uh but at the same time like i'm, I'm 25 and i can i start to see also like different among my female friends for example like different expectations when it comes to relationship where it's like okay like I had fun early 20s and now maybe I'm looking for something different so it's, it's interesting to look also like the the sort of the dynamics of like with age like how that changes in the context of city life where depending on the the gender like some people will look for different things um but yeah I feel like COVID definitely had like a sort of I want a stable lifestyle I want a stable relationship effect on people and now things are getting a little bit looser but I don't know yeah I don't really know like for younger people how how that kind of plays out if something I've definitely noticed is like how flaky people are now it's insane it's insane really like even at work or like just it's like a um just you know like this is and this is kind of concerning I think um the sort of the I matter the most because I see it kind of like that it's like I matter my emotions my everything about me matters and therefore uh I am allowed to you know like say no to that person and or something like that and last minute or or just cancel these dates because I don't feel like it and it's like I don't know like you know like that kind of I, I don't really like that really I agree. I feel like, you know, people always ask me, like, what's the best dating scene around the world? And I'm like, I honestly don't know. Especially like if we look at the Western world, if we look at like Europe, US, Canada, Latin America, um, I just, I, I haven't found a place where people, you know, when we're talking about India, you know, South Asian countries, obviously, that, that's a completely different dynamic there. But when I'm talking about the Western world, I mean, we have such a, such a, such choice we have such a I would say paralysis of choice like we have just so many options and mm. I also feel like it's become so much about the self which is in itself like it's a good thing you know I you want to live a life that's that's uh, you know you want to live the best life you can live but then what happens is we've all become so flaky as a society and I see that all over the world now I mean uh from France to the U.S. to Germany to Italy Mm. There is a tendency to just not commit. You know, I, I see it on dating apps where my friends will say, well, we're having a conversation. I'll ask him a question. He deletes me like it just out of nowhere, you know, and I think we've set the standards so high as well that it has to be like the best thing. Uh, and it has to be right now. I have to feel incredibly passionate about it and I have to continue feeling passionate about it. It's mm. become this incredible high that we can't really live up to. And, mm. and so you're right. I think like the flakiness 
is definitely a big part of our society. And you know what I find interesting with that is that a lot of people will then criticize dating apps, being like, oh, dating apps are shit, blah, 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 whatever, I won't use them. Um, but it's interesting to me because dating apps are just like one medium through which the way we behave in society is exposed, you know. Um, I don't think that, of course, like the way me, uh, dating apps are structured will favor that sort of ghosting because you can delete someone like that and disappear. So obviously, but, you know, I made a video recently on the, um, the sort of instrumentalization of emotional labor and the fact that a lot of people will put forward this argument like, oh, I don't want to do the emotional labor of doing this and that. And of course, there are cases where it's totally valid. You know, like there have been cases I've heard of friends who were on dating apps and had very bad experiences, men um, just being very aggressive or like not understanding that they don't want a second date and like maybe the the reasons are valid etc so for safety reasons like totally go, like ghost <laughs> run away girl um or boy or whoever uh is um in that interaction but generally speaking yeah like the i feel like sometimes this this language of emotional labor of prioritizing the self can be detrimental to the point where we actually don't even care about the other person like it's it's a real pal person on the other on the other side of the screen you know and like you kind of owe them something you owe them an explanation you owe them because if you start to normalizing this this behavior in dating you're going to start normalizing it in other areas and uh the the it's it works to, in in many different directions like if you start normalizing ghosting people at your workplace or like disrespecting people at your workplace then you're going to start doing that in your dating life as well so it's just like for me it's it's bigger than just dating apps it's like a whole like cultural phenomenon of prioritizing the self at all costs but also at the expense of others and their well-being and their right to you know like know what is going on so so yeah that's something that kind of frustrates me as well I, I love that you say it's just a medium because obviously mm. if you do meet someone in real life, you can't just in mid conversation, walk away. You know, they're asking you a question, <laughs> just walk away. You obviously can't do that, but, <laughs> but it shows who you are. It really shows a lot about who you are and do you have integrity? You know, if you can do that online to someone, I, I wouldn't personally be able to do that. I feel like I would at least like to leave someone with an explanation so they don't go out into the world feeling bitter and resigned and feeling like, you know what, people just, they just don't see me as a person. And you're right, because the the, the person on the other, you know, on the, on the other side of that, we don't even, we don't think of people as people anymore. If you're on a dating app, you're thinking, whoa, I don't care. I just don't feel like mm. talk. I just, I don't feel like answering. You know, mm. I invited her, him on a date, but now I, I don't feel like showing up. So just, I'm just going to. I'm just going to do nothing mm -hmm. about it, right? Back in the day, you would generally meet someone through friends or because they were your neighbor. So there was a kind of community feeling and uh, in a way that made this person, I mean, you you basically knew who they were. Your friends yeah, knew who they accountability. were. Accountability. Accountability yeah, yeah, matters. Sort of accountability, yeah. Exactly. No, that's so, yeah, that's so funny that you mentioned that because, like, recently that happened to two friends of mine. They met through a friend. I was like, ooh, do people still do that these days? <laughs> it's just, like, so... It has become so uncommon. And it's just, like, yeah, actually, like... And even... I feel like we lost the art of, like, also making matches you know like looking at our friends and be like oh this person could go well with this person because we don't want to interfere or create like something that is i know but like people used to do that in the past and it was very obvious what was going on you know um i guess now because we have dating apps that are very like you know why you're on there 
it feels like everything outside of dating apps has to be like 100% natural. But no, like back in the days, like things were very coded, very regulated and like regulated in the sense that, yeah, when you say this, you expect that. And when you meet this or that friend, there's an expectation that they might get along. So it's just like, yeah, like let's not pretend that everything is is natural when it's like outside of dating apps. Obviously, like all those cards that we have on on dating apps, those hidden rules, they exist in real life as well. And like maybe we should, as friends, also encourage those those connections, dating con- like romance or even friendships. Like make those friends connect. You know, don't be scared that they won't get along. And if they don't get along, then that's it. But like create those connections because people actually crave them. Like they, we want to meet new people, especially in cities. We want to meet new people. We want to find um, a potential romantic partner. And it's just, you know, like recently what happened is that a, a friend of mine connected to of our friends together and it was starting to look like it was going to go into a relationship. And then one of the person didn't behave very well. And so it kind of ended. And my friend who made the connection was feeling very sad, very anxious because she was like, I'm responsible for this. And I was like, it's okay. Like they are two responsible adults. You did something, you, at least you try to make that connection and that's totally fine. And actually like, you shouldn't feel bad and you shouldn't stop doing that. Cause like maybe one day will work and it worked for me. And I, <laughs> I mean, it worked, it worked for a year for me and my ex now, but, uh, um, so yeah, like, you know, it's, we should normalize those things really. Yeah. I feel like we should normalize having more interaction with people in general. I mean, the loneliness is, a, is an epidemic. It's mm-hmm. There are so many lonely people out there. When I look at the news and a lot of things that are happening, like happening in Czech Republic uh, yesterday, yeah. I just feel like it's all a byproduct of the fact that we are bitter, lonely. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and uh, without getting off topic, because I do want to get back to uh, France and, and French culture, but I think it's that when you're that lonely and you're so bitter against people and you get all your source of information from TikTok and Instagram and like uh, all the opinions that you see there, it's so very easy to to start thinking that the world is like this. It's it's women that are expecting a man to make 100K you know, yeah. uh, whatever a year, or it's like people that have these incredible standards. It's like, well, I'm just going to die alone. I hate the world. I hate women. I hate men. I, mm. you know, so it's, it's just like, we're, we're really dividing people up and we're, we're creating a really angry world, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like if you, cause like a lot of users online of TikTok, Instagram, etc., are young people. And the, the the main characteristic about being young and I've been there myself you've been there too so like we're not talking as like patronizing or anything we've been there it's you you don't have a lot of experience of life experience you haven't gone through a lot of dating or or things like that so like your experience will be the internet and I'm very guilty of that like remember as a teen I didn't have many friends and so the internet was like oh this is life you know like the, I learned about so many different sort of yeah life experiences etc but the thing is that now that algorithms are like so well defined they will show you what you want to see so they will if you into like oh yeah a man is supposed to provide and blah blah they will show you all the manosphere stuff even if you didn't even ask for it actually they're going to show you the manosphere a bunch of people did that experiment where they go uh they go on tiktok or like even youtube shorts and it's like they scroll like four times and they're already like on a manosphere. Uh, yeah, men need to do this and women need to do that type of thing. And it's like, it's it's insane. So obviously like when you don't have that sort of life experience, that confidence in yourself as well, because like as you date, as you meet people, you build confidence, you learn more about what you like and what you don't like. When you don't have that, of course, you're going to be prey to all those 
online discourses and and you see a video you see like there are one million views and like many many people liked and many people commented and you're like oh yeah that, that must be true well actually no like no that is not true that is maybe some people will believe that and will agree with that but again it's just like uh, it's not that one random person like uh, being asked on the street. It's like compare with different different cultures, compare with like different people, compare with your own experience. Um, so yeah, I guess like one way to sum sum it up would be like to go out and touch grass, <laughs> just like go out and experiment for yourself. You know, like don't believe what's what's on the internet. And I feel like it sounds very patronizing to say that, but I I'm telling myself as well because some sometimes I get caught up in those things where it's like, oh my gosh, like. This is what is going on and then for a second i step back and i talk to friends or people in real life and i'm like oh actually nobody cares about this thing that seems like so huge on the internet um so yeah yeah i think like uh i don't know if you if you're aware of this post but a few weeks ago this post went viral maybe a few months maybe i just catch up late uh and it was about american women and how they there was a list of places that was deemed acceptable by american women uh for the first date and it was basically a list of you know of like don't take me to starbucks don't take me to chipotle mm. don't take me here don't take me here don't take me. and it was a giant list of places that men couldn't take them and it just it, it you can't help but like how it, it evokes emotion because you're like man they're so entitled you know and so i can imagine a man going through that list and being like oh, well, now I don't want to date women. I don't want to date American women because they're all like this. They're all entitled, right? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, and you get that, right? Because that kind of controversial content, that goes viral. You probably can see that with your own videos. The more controversial mm -hmm. the content is, the more people react to it the more reactions the more virality it has so mm. of course that's what we see when we log on to TikTok. and as you're right like if i'm watching a video about like a red pill video um then that's the kind of the content that's going to get shown to me and so i'm going to start putting everyone in the same category oh all men are like this they're all mm. going to go they're all flaky they all don't want a relationship i'm never going to find someone i hate men i don't want to be in a relationship with one and same thing with men you know all women are sluts. All women want a man who makes this much money. Uh, they're all demons, essentially. So we're like, <laughs> now we all hate each other, but we haven't Yay! actually gotten to know each other, right? We're just putting each other in categories and we're hating the whole group of people that we don't mm. actually know. We haven't talked to them. Yeah. I feel like one of the biggest issue with that is how much we crave boxes. We just want to have labels. We want boxes. And it's not just like, again, not limited to dating. It's even as like a video essayist who's always trying to bring a little bit of nuance or like to complexify things or to be like, hey, there's no right or wrong answer. I see how often people will comment, but what would you do about that? Like, what would be the solution? I'm like, I actually don't know. Like you can come up with your own solutions. And I remember like as a teen, when I was trying to figure out like uh, how you're supposed to talk to uh, boys or like how you're supposed to, because obviously like you don't know and you want to you want to have some advice. Like the videos who would work the, the the most were not like the videos on like helping with dating. It was more like what girl uh, what girls want in a boy, like what guys want in a girl. And it's like, oh yeah, this is exactly what I want. I want to know exactly what they want so I can have like a little list. And it's like, it, this is how we operate. Like we want very, very clear answers. And I feel like, mm, like as a society, we need to to resist this temptation to just go for the lazy solutions the, 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 that is given to us like that, like so easily in the matter of like five seconds. No, like again, like going back to what we said earlier, 
figuring out what you like and uh, the, the sort of person you want to date and what you're attracted to takes time. It takes a lot of, um, yeah, like a lot of uh, introspection, a lot of uh, communication as well with others, friends um, or partners. Like it takes a lot of time. It's complex. And even if you think you are a certain way, you might discover along like, down the line that you are completely different. And what I like about dating now and something I'm very more, much more open to is actually like openness, being open to discover new things, you know. So that's why I'm kind of anti um, all those things like the, the love languages or things like that. It's not that I'm anti those things, but everything that is like super strict or like, I'm like this or I'm like that. I behave like this. Therefore, I need that sort of person. It's like, no, no, no. Like, how do you know? Maybe you think you are like that now, but like maybe in two years, you're going to find someone that's going to change you completely. And then, you know, so like constantly rediscovering yourself, constantly like asking yourself questions and resisting the urge to just go for the easy answers, which usually will be kind of, you know, like if we, like, it's it's no surprise that all that, the, 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 the easy answers often like go in the direction of men are providers, men are this, men are that, because uh, whatever, and women are supposed to be feminine and blah, blah, blah. Like this is, this is what we've been taught for, for generations and generations. So obviously like when we are looking for the easy answer, we're going to be drawn to those, those type of easy answers. And as a society, we're trying to go beyond that. I mean, just to make sure we are as inclusive and uh, as, you know, like giving an option to, to, to everybody really. So yeah, we really need to resist that. When it comes to gender roles, how 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 is it in France generally? If you could summarize <sighs> it, that's really interesting. Um, it is it is very interesting. Actually, it's it's very hard to. I made a video about it because like I was myself struggling to explain it when people would ask me like, "Hey, like, well, because it feels like France is a very liber liberated country in terms of like sexuality, um, dating, etc." But for me, that liberation is happening in the bigger frame of patriarchy. And what I mean by that is that the way women are liberated or the way dating is liberated is always going to go, always going to benefit the man. So, for example, when we talk about like, you know, French actresses and like how liberated they were. Yeah, but like they were very prey to what we call the male gaze. You know, it was always about being desirable to men. So short skirts, perfect, cleavage, perfect, go girl, dress as you like. But it's always seeking the male gaze, you know, like always like responding to what is desirable for men. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, the icons like Brigitte Bardot or, or people like that who are still seen as like feminist icons. I mean, now if you listen to what they say about women, it's just very, very scary. Um, so there's that. And then for dating, you're like, oh, yeah, infidelity is way more tolerated. But for who? You know, like for men or for women as well? Nah, mostly for men. When a woman is is uh, cheats on, on her boyfriend or husband, like it's not very well. So it's like, yeah, perfect, liberated, great. But for who? And in which sort of framework? Um, so, yeah. I've heard that a lot of times. Women judge women more than men judge women. Have you heard of this? That like women, oftentimes they're they're quite sexist as well. Like they could be like, oh, well, she looks like this, so she's like that, you know, because of the sense of competition as well, and then just putting each other down in a way. What do you think? Do you mean like uh, in France in particular, or like just around the world? Just as a society. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's that's very true, and like that's something that is kind of hard to come to terms with, especially as 
as a feminist because it's like oh yeah like it would be ideal to have a world where all women are like um, you know helping each other there's a strong solidarity or sorority as we now uh, call it and I feel like we're moving progressively towards that like I used to be someone who would look down on women a lot because I was raised by a woman uh, by a, my mother was what we call like a not like the other girls she wanted to not represent everything that is supposed to represent women's so like femininity makeup um sometimes like playing a bit dumb to you know elevate men or things like that she was like no 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 I'm not doing that I'm strong um I don't dress feminine and blah blah so she, she kind of passed that on on to me as well so as I've said multiple times like I grew up hating the idea of a woman you know like feminine. what we associate with with women femininity or things like that I wanted to be good at sports. I wanted to be good at math. I wanted to, I didn't necessarily look down on women, but I I just, as for myself, like I didn't want to look like that. You know, I, I wanted to be as manly as possible. And then I later realized that when it comes to dating, you have to look feminine. You know, it's not because the boy, the boys look down on girls. as like, oh, they're stupid or they can't do this or they can't do that. That's later on, they won't date these girls because, you know, that, that feeling of superiority then translates into, into dating. You want a girl who looks feminine. You want a girl who is kind of fragile. You want a girl who um, who, who less small than you because you want to feel superior. So that that was an interesting sort of thing that, that happened to me. But, um, yeah, in terms of, like, the sort of hatred towards, towards women, I feel it, it stems from that, you know. It's like, hey, you're supposed to act this way. You're supposed to look fragile. You're supposed to do it. So whenever women try to, you know, challenge the stereotypes or represent something different, there's a little bit of competition there. And the other way around, you know, like like me, the, it was the, the sort of distaste I had for this idea of what a woman is supposed to be is, is a form of internalized misogyny. I looked down on women. I had internalized the fact that being a woman, being feminine was not good, bad, less uh, inferior to what manhood uh, was really it's it's something it's a conversation I have very often with uh, older women I feel like younger women now are way more aware of like the the power of sorority the necessity for sorority the fact that you know like there's a lot of pressure on us so let's not put more pressure like as women you know let's let's help each other but of course there are limits to that you know especially in the workplace um so so many women complaining that yeah, women in the workplace can be really, really mean, specifically because you have this sort of competition. You are in a male-dominated environment, and so you can adopt those, 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 those values, and you, yeah, like put that pressure on on other women. So that's very real. Like that's very real, and we should not deny it. Yeah, they did a study. I don't know if you've heard of it, but basically they they put women in the room and they they had uh you know these girls come in and uh they they had one girl that looked very sexy and they just kind of looked at the reaction of women uh when the girl walked by and i think they they tested i, I i'm not going to say the number because i don't know the number but it was a quite large number of women and the reaction was always always <laughs> judgmental very judgmental mm -hmm. just you know a sexy girl walking through and that was something really interesting i wonder if it's because there's like we're all fighting over limited resources like oh well i you know i I need to find a partner and so uh i need to look better than her i need to be better than her i find with men typically men are a lot more upfront about it so if there's competition between men they'll, they'll just like fight it out they'll talk it out they'll say something but women we're a lot more um passive aggressive in a way that will be like oh you look so beautiful and then we'll talk behind mm -hmm. her back women do that quite a lot uh you mm -hmm. know and i've noticed this you know competitiveness even in my own life where 
I was in a relationship and a friend of mine was in a relationship. And I remember she would often talk about how great her relationship is, making me feel that my relationship was inferior. She probably wasn't a very good friend. Uh, or, you know, if you're both single, then it's kind of you're going out uh, to a bar and, 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 and you feel it. You feel that sense of competitiveness, like who's going to get approached more? Who's mm. going to get more looks? So it's it's always this like strive of, you know, who... who who's going to get picked. That's why I don't want to say this, but I find female friendships to be quite complicated. You really need mm. to be very good friends for that not to affect your relationship. You know? Yeah, I think it's 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 a very interesting question and definitely something I've because uh, my female friendship groups for group, for example, and all my female friendships are very, very supportive. Like we would never drag each other down and we very much work on it as well because like sometimes we have those feelings that you've just described where I don't know, like a female friend of mine will come into the room and like, she's so, so sexy. Like she's dressed so, so well. And I'm just, there's a little bit of something in me being like, yeah, like get some reminiscence of like, oh, she's the hottest girl in the room. You know, that, that sort of thing that I personally have, have a lot. Like, yeah, when I go into a room, there's this tendency to immediately compare to other women and see, oh, am I the hottest girl in the room? Or like, is there, and it's so, so wrong. It's so, so wrong, but it's something that we desperately need to work on. And like, we're fighting against gosh so much like for years for decades for centuries we've been told that what matters uh, to us like as a woman is to look good so like how can you expect that all of a sudden we're gonna forget about that and like we won't impose that on other women too because like gosh the comments on like oh she gained weight you know like the, the sort of very little comments they say oh no I'm not like it's not a an insult or whatever but just the fact that that's the first thing that comes to mind when you see that person instead of saying I don't know like oh she seems very much like she seems very happy compared to last time or she seems very depressed which is you know it's it's immediately going back to to physique and I feel like yeah we we definitely even though sometimes we'll say oh yeah I love my girlfriends and blah 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 like do you really did you really like work on all that you know again like sort of internalized misogyny that that you have within you and that you are expressing right now by pointing at all those physical characteristics of this person um i feel like women who tend to do that are those who feel the less confident who have the less least uh, self-confidence because when you're confident in your body and you know you, you're happy with the way you look or why would you why would you like start criticizing others really like everybody's doing great we're all looking gorgeous and blah 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 and I love those personalities as well like you know like women who will come into a room and be like you're gorgeous you're gorgeous you're gorgeous I'm gorgeous too and I'm like yes that's the sort of energy we need to 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 you know to promote that's that's the sort of friendships I want to have I feel like I'm surrounded by women kind of like that but uh yeah a lot of a lot of work to do for us like still 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 um and I see it even with my mom like sometimes the way she she will talk about like women on screen or whatever oh why is she wearing cleavage like that well maybe because she's kind of she has to you know maybe she there's a little bit of pressure there or maybe she's aware that her role on that show is to look good and so she's trying her best to fulfill that role it's just like there's so many things that we internalize that we learn as women and that we then need to to deconstruct and I guess the best way to do that is also to to do that with your friends and be honest of you know hey like sometimes I feel like a little bit intimidated or sometimes I feel a little bit of jealousy towards you and the way you look or whatever like talk to them tell them because like maybe they feel exactly the same way and you just don't know and like just by, by sharing that um with each other you may be able to to overcome it as well 
Yeah, that's a great point. And you're lucky to have very good friends. And you're right. Like a lot of us do feel insecure in our own way. We look at someone else and we feel like they have it all together, but they're feeling exactly the same way. Hmm. Do you feel like uh, French uh, society is quite judgmental? This is something that I've heard from quite a lot of people. What do you think? I think so, yeah. I think so, but at the same time, because uh, earlier you mentioned, you know, like, um, I think you mentioned, like, uh, American women or American people in general being, like, super, like, oh, yeah, you're gorgeous, or blah, blah, And then once you leave the room, it's, like, a totally different discourse. Um, so I feel like maybe we're more judgmental, but maybe this is just, like, honesty, <laughs> you know, like, maybe we're a bit more honest and straightforward or... Because, um, like, for example, when I look for advice or or when I'm wearing something and I'm asking my friend, like, hey, do I look good in this? And if I can tell, like, she's not being honest, I'm like, be honest with me, okay? Even if that's mean. And maybe we're more okay with that honesty as well because, like, we're more used to it. So that would maybe be a reason why we're told that we're judgmental. But, I mean, yeah, like, there's a lot of judgment, especially between, yeah, women. Um, the looks, the, the, the... It's just like, yeah, I don't know if it's specific to to France that sort of hatred between between women or, but like I guess with French culture, something that would be specific of, of French culture is the thinness, uh, the fat phobia is like oh, really really strong because we have this idea like whenever you think about the French girl, it's like a tall, very slim woman like smoking cigarettes and like you. It seems that they never work out. It seems that they never eat. It seems like, um, so it's like. Yeah, if you don't fit that sort of ideal of the French girl, then you're not a French girl, and people will let you know. It's like you don't, you yeah, you don't deserve that title. You don't deserve to. You have to be slim. You have to be white. You have to look effortlessly pretty. Your skin must be amazing. It's like all those those things, and it's, oh, again, like again, stereotypes that needs to be unlearned. And like the the French girl, French culture, French love is like so, so romanticized. And every time I have the opportunity to kind of, no, that's not what we are. Or like, uh, there's more, way more diversity than that. I, I, I do it really like in conversations with people all over the world. Because the stereotypes, like we internalize them. And I see it myself, like when I'm abroad, um, I tend to perform the French girl way more than uh, when I'm at home, you know? And that's something that I find really interesting. Like, I'll start, yeah, like acting a little bit more elegant, dressing a bit more elegant or uh, not necessarily smoking, but like, I don't know, even my accent, like it's just very weird. But like I've talked about it with other people. It's like, yeah, I tend to perform like all the stereotypes about my country or like even in dating, especially in dating um, when I'm abroad. And I just find it so funny the way like we, yeah, we reproduce those things in sometimes ways that can be harmful, really. Yeah, I think it's because there is an association of French people as being elegant and and, you yeah. know, and, and uh, uh, charming and uh, sexy in this kind of mysterious and aloof way. Mm -hmm. And so I get that completely because uh, whenever you're you're painted as something, you're like, well, people must want me to be that because it's it's exotic for it's exotic for them and it's kind of uh, something that they find very attractive so you play into that stereotype mm. i remember going on dates with guys who which i try not to do they i'm i'm, I'm originally eastern european i'm russian uh, but i moved when i was 12 so i don't really consider myself very eastern european or very canadian i'm kind of right in between mm. but when you go on a date with someone who's like oh you're russian yeah 
Russian girls no, are still texting you no. like, oh man. So are you expecting <laughs> me to then play into that? Should I talk like mm. this now? You know? So should I should I play into that now? Because that's considered sexy. And uh I've talked to a lot of you know women from Brazil. They they get really pigeonholed into that like sexy Brazilian girl. And so then that then you perform as that sexy Brazilian girl because that's your that's the stereotype. And so mm. I can see that as a French woman as well, that that's kind of like, oh well, they think I'm exotic, they think I'm this. I should, I should not disappoint them. Yeah, because it's like so with some guys in particular. It's like it, it it seems that that country where you come from, whether it's French, whether you're Asian, whether you're Brazilian, or it's like it becomes your entire identity. With some men, like I'm not saying not all men, not all men, <laughs> but uh, with, with some men, it's it's like are you dating me or are you dating? Alice the French girl, you know, it's just like Alice. everything will be, yeah, everything, Alice, Alice, yeah, everything will become like just, hey, like showing pictures of baguettes or whatever. I'm like, I don't care, honestly, like, I just, just be you and treat me like a normal human being. Like, I'm trying my best to, like, you know, fit in your culture and, like, not look too French. So please, like, just don't, don't remind me of this all the time. But again, yeah, like, it's, it's such a common common experience like uh, I've talked with um you know given the J Japanese uh women like the way they're expected to be submissive quiet cute all the time it's like I remember this 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 person who said like I can't even shout like I can't even be angry because like all of a sudden it's like what you're supposed to be the Japanese women being like all cute and shy and blah blah, blah. it's like oh come on like can we go beyond the stereotypes and uh but yeah luckily like uh, I've met a lot of men who, you know, make an effort not to bring it back to to that all the time. And to be fair, like, sometimes it's kind of funny as well, like, to play into that a little bit, play into the stereotypes. And as long as it's just, like, temporary, you know, and it doesn't turn into your entire identity to the point where it just, like, turns into fetishization or, or whatnot. But, yeah. Yeah, I see that a lot with French men when they come to, let's say, other countries. Whenever you look at their online profile, there's always a glass of wine there. And it's like, I really like to drink the wine and oh, to have no. the croissant. You're like, oh, my God. And when, when you were talking, I was thinking, man, maybe I've done this to men as well. Because I remember going out on dates with French guys and like, do you want to listen to Charles Navour on the rooftop while we look at the moon? I'm like, oh, man. Like, yes. <laughs> because <laughs> they because they know it works they know they it do works. they do that's why they do it and that's why like i you know that's why i kept on telling my students like our students or english or whatever um beware beware of the french man like just be careful because like every time i heard the story of oh yeah i met this french guy in, in paris i'm like what did he say to you like well how did he present himself did he maybe listen to french songs or blah, blah, blah. like i'm just very very aggressive because i know them and i know their tricks um so, what yeah, are just, those just tricks? be careful just just be careful because yeah no as you said like the glass of wine the, oh my god the poems but like it's just, they'll sing in french or write poems in french so you, as a as a foreigner you have no idea what it means and it's just like oh my gosh this sounds so gorgeous because like it's in french or whatever but <laughs> it's just oh yeah lo men love to to objectify themselves as well like as a, sort of like the french seducer and Ah, oh, it's something I've seen definitely, definitely. I've not necessarily seen, but I, as you said, like the 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 profile um, on dating apps with the the wine and just the pictures, and it's like, oh, I see you, I see you. I've been around people like you my entire life. I see what you're doing there. Um, so yeah, be careful, girlies, with the the French boys. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that's something that happens when we when we stereotype a country and we put really positive stereotypes on a country. Whereas like France, obviously, it's a country of love. A, a French guys know that I'm assuming that French women wouldn't really fall for that because obviously they're French. They know all the tricks. They're like, you can't really seduce me with that, you know. But when it's an American girl coming to Paris, she's like, oh, my God, this is, you know, Jacques. He's a uh, so sexy. <laughs> You chose the perfect name, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, and, like, we have so many movies and, and so many shows like Emily in Paris that very much mm. promote that stereotype. Have you have you seen Emily in Paris? I did, yeah. I think I saw most of the series, right? Most of the season, sorry. Most of the season. Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. Wow. What, what was your impression? <laughs> Are you expecting some comments on that? <laughs> of course I was, of course I was, like, disappointed because it's, it's a very very filtered, very romanticized uh, version of Paris where characters only evolve in like two arrondissements, so like two areas. And those areas in Paris are all very small. So like, it's it's just where, yeah, where rich people live. And But I mean, it's okay at the same time because it's like they're trying to sell a fantasy and people are coming for it. And I do understand that sometimes we just want entertainment and we're not trying to understand like all the class and social uh, inequalities and blah 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 so I'll definitely make a video on it and I did um, about the fact that we don't talk about class in Emily in Paris even though the characters come from very different background and like why they're all evolving but anyway that's that's another topic but more generally speaking yeah I felt like it ticked all the, the stereotypes in terms of dating um, I can't remember the name of the um, the, the guy like the, the the French guy he she she falls in love with uh, oh neither my can God. I neither can I He's like the main the character. Chef, the chef. The chef, yeah, who's now like a very active uh, climate activist, actually. Oh. Um, so very happy about that. But um, yeah, like it's it's just so cliche. And I remember like posing on some of the the dialogues and like sending it to friends being like, just just tell me this is not the way you see us, like French people. Just tell me, please, because this is, this is not possible. Like this is too bad. Um, but yeah, I-, I had a lot of fun watching it. What I love is that the entire show, uh, all the French people, they're speaking English amongst themselves. I love that when they're just like having a conversation, they're just speaking English the whole time. I'm like, how do <laughs> you friends with the accent? <laughs> and also, I absolutely love that she somehow on the salary that she's getting is able to deck herself out in new outfits every single day, like the, the most expensive. And and I also love her Instagram posting where she just snaps a photo, puts a cute caption on it and sends yeah. it. I'm like, I wish it was this easy. I've put a lot of work <laughs> on my Instagram, but like if I could just snap a photo and be like, hey guys, just eating a croissant. And if yeah. I could get that many likes on it, that's what I would I mean. Content Content creators like could see the BS there. We, we could see it. We saw it. We saw the, the, the very basic pictures going viral. And we're like, no, this show is fake from start to finish. It's just like, it's not yeah. possible. But yeah, it's, I don't know. At the same time, I, I kind of, I think that's what I enjoy about the show, really. Like the, the fact that it was like too, so fake that there was no way to just, yeah. Just like put your, put your brain on pause. Just like enjoy the, the consume all the entertainment that you can. And just, yeah, I guess, but but like, I would be frustrated if some people think that that's that's the experience that they would get in Paris. Because I know that because of the TV series, um, tourism in Paris increased a lot. Like they created Emilian Paris tours and things like that. Um, I know that people living in those areas were very angry as well. Because usually there were uh, very old, old, rich Parisians that were like, oh, what is going on? All those Americans coming to Paris and blah, blah, blah. What do you enjoy and enjoy 
let's say, what is something that you enjoy most and least about living in Paris? Ah, that's a good question because um, I think the thing that I enjoy the least would be Parisians. Just kind of bad because there are a lot of them in Paris for some reasons. Um, uh, because it's just I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, coming from the north of France and learning about the way Parisians see us, for example, kind of created that sort of yeah. Uh, from the basis like I was like I don't like Par nobody likes Parisians really like it's it's a common thing like when you live outside of Paris you don't like people living in Paris and vice versa um so I guess there was that and then just the accent that is sounds very ugh, bourgeois very like oh, 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 towards the end of sentences and it's just like oh I can't do this um or maybe also the um, the fact that they live together very closely and they don't interact much with people outside of the city or sometimes they feel like they are you know in the middle of where things are happening because like people come to Paris from all over the world and blah blah so they they feel like they live in a place that is multicultural etc but they don't actually very much interact with when you compare to because obviously again like I've traveled to many different places so I feel like I have the legitimacy to 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 compare and to criticize when I go to New York, for example, when I go to London, uh, these are cities that are also multicultural, but people really mix, you know, like people from all backgrounds, from from various um, ethnic backgrounds as well. In France, you don't have that as much, I feel, or at least like your identity, your background is not something that you should put forward, you know, like you can be black, you can come from this or that country, but it's like, don't like the, we're not it's not that we're not interested in that it's just like we're in Paris we're in France and you know I feel like it's not something that is encouraged you're not encouraged to talk about your background as much uh, as in cities like New York or London where it's like sometimes your background is like everything that matters and like people will know where you come from and like uh, what sort of challenges you face in your life etc so that's one thing I don't like uh, but one thing I like about Paris obviously is just like Everything is more chilled. You always have people having a glass uh, outside on the terrace, you know, like the famous uh, uh, the terrace, really. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, it's it's super lively. It's very easy to 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 meet people as well in bars, etc. It's just, yeah, the, the, the approach of life, the way they balance work and life is is way healthier uh, than in, to compared to, to other big cities uh, I, I've been to. When you say you don't really like Parisians, what do you mean? What what specifically is something that irks you? Is it a sense of is it arrogance? Is it a sense of entitlement, superiority? Yeah, I would say entitlement. I think I would say entitlement and maybe uh, the belief, maybe ignorance of what again, like what multiculturalism and what living in a big city should be. Or and for me, what it should be, it means living in a big city is about like meeting people from all backgrounds, like connecting all those cultures and learning from those cultures. And I feel like in Paris and Parisians, they think they do that, but they don't really, you know, like uh, they don't really try to expand their horizons or learn about different cultures or learn about different people. It's, it's very much about France, France culture, French culture, French food, all of that. Again, I don't want to like stereotype or generalize, but I feel like it's a general trend that I've noticed uh in comparison to other big cities yeah i've heard also that apartments have very thin walls is this true that you know <laughs> your neighbors uh i'm very lucky because like where i live um 
pretty much all the other apartments are I think it's old people. <laughs> I think my building is full of old people, so it's very, very quiet. It's super quiet. But it's true that most of my friends complain that, yeah, you can hear like a an argument happening like right next to you. Or, but again, like it's I feel like it's part of the the French culture as well. It's like your private life is not very private. It's like you can have a, an argument in the middle of the restaurant with your friends talking about politics. Um, it, it's just very common for people to just express their emotions out loud in the public sphere or in the private sphere but with very thin wall and you're very aware that the walls are very thin so you you know that the neighbor is going to hear everything and i feel like maybe that's that's a defining feature about like a parisian life or french life in general it's like we we love the drama and we love to share it as well with other people it's interesting because even um i was in montreal um i was planning to move there at one point and even in montreal they have this french neighborhood and i was living in one of the one of the apartments and the walls were super thin and even there you get the french people like smoking and talking really loudly late at night mm. and i would go up and say guys can you be quiet they're like oh okay but they, they continue smoking the whole night and i could hear them and i could hear them walking i could hear them talking i guess like it's it's maybe a lifestyle thing as well it's like um yeah you're supposed to be talking all the time or you're supposed to be living all the time or like again like this sort of breaking the barrier between private and public life which is so so common and again you see it like when you go in the streets of paris like people are, are having a drink outside people even like in the winter you know like there's no season to go to go outside and get a drink outside and uh people are having parties in there it's just like ugh, the windows are open is yeah there are many good things about it, you know. I really like that about Paris, the fact that contrary to London, where everything is, like, shut down and everything happens behind doors, it's, like, opening onto the world. But as you say, like, there are some, uh, you know, like, some problems with that as well, like, respecting other people's need for quiet and things like that. Like that's important, too. Um, so maybe we need to work on that a bit more. I'm going to Spain, for example, Spanish people tend to be very loud. And so when you're trying to sleep and they're screaming outside your window at like four in the morning, you're thinking, I don't want any part of this. But then you move somewhere and you're living, let's say, in Canada, where it's on the opposite scale, like maybe like London. It's, it's incredibly quiet and oftentimes feels very structured as well. Um, for, for, for instance, here, in order to get alcohol, you need to go to specific like government-owned store. You wouldn't be able mm. to get wine in just a regular store. It's very much like Sweden. You know, we have the same rules mm. around alcohol. And so even drinking is incredibly structured. You're not able to just drink somewhere. You need to drink in spe specified zones. And mm. uh, the whole life is kind of, it's too organized in a way where it's comfortable, but you also tend to... I, I guess it's quite lonely as well. I feel like in, in these kind of places like London or, um, you know, maybe Toronto mm. is, is, is another <clears throat> good example of that. Even like the amount of markets there in, in Paris, like it, it's insane. And the other day I was at, at the market, actually, I was uh, uh, for preparing a little breakfast with friends and um there was this woman who was talking to, to to the lady selling the fruits, Dasha. It lasted for like 10 minutes, I believe, but she was just talking and talking and talking. I was like, Oh yeah, it's great that those places exist, you know, those places where people are outside socializing because like you can strike up a conversation with them anytime or you can, and for, for people who feel lonely and usually you don't see them because like they won't go out and stuff like that, like this is a good opportunity to, even if they won't talk to you or even if they just sit down and have a coffee and, and read the newspaper, they will listen to someone else's conversation and it's like, 
it's still like a, a form of socializing in a way. So I know like for older people, um, you know, the I think there's a, a few Instagram uh, pages on like old French men, you know, sitting on little benches with their newspapers and just like listen to whatever is going on. And I find it so cute. And like, that's why I love as well with 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 this country. You're gonna make me love this 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 uh, this city, Paris. I've been complaining about it like so much, but now I'm just like, this is amazing. Like everybody's like outside living their life and stuff. But I guess yeah, like that that's kind of true, and um, that's something I really like about Paris. Yeah, I mean, every city that we choose, there's positives and there's negatives. Um, yeah, true. Yeah, and we often tend to focus on the negatives. Uh, I find myself doing that as well. But talking about the not so positive thing, um, so let's talk about infidelity really quickly. So something, some really interesting statistics I found that I think about 46% of French men specifically do cheat or have admitted to cheating and 38% of women. So there's 10% difference or sorry, 8% difference. But what's interesting is that compared to Americans that find cheating on a partner unacceptable 84% of the time. Only 47% of the French has said that they found it unacceptable as well. So what do yeah, you think that's about it. that? No, that's so funny. That's exactly the stats that my friend brought up, my British friend, when we were having this discussion. Because I was like, no, like, it's okay. Like, people are okay with infidelity. And it was like, no, it's a French thing. Like, it's only French people. I was like, oh, come on. And then he showed me the stats. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's true. Okay, interesting. Um, I guess, yeah, it's, again, this sort of, I mean, ideally, it would be us understanding that you don't own another person, you don't own their body, and therefore, you know, it's okay if they, you know, sex and love are two separate things. Um, that would be the ideal vision of, and I guess a lot of people believe that, you know, but I feel like, again, like, what is tolerated for men is not tolerated as much for women. So I feel like a lot of women come to terms with the fact that, yeah, maybe hubby is gonna, you know, cheat on me at some point and and it's okay. More than hey, like sex and love are two different things and you know, this sort of progressive way of looking at at, at dating or relationships. So yeah, I guess it's just like something that's been promoted in the media, in the cinema, um, in cinema, etc. It's like this, yeah, French men cheat. Women do as well. It's not as much represented on TV, but it's just like, yeah, French men cheat and it's just like it's it's just a thing like and like it it's it's tolerated very much like the the sort of commitment there's not as much commitment um and this is seen as something that is kind of normal in a way yeah <clears throat> i find it even interesting when you watch american movies because whenever they show uh scenes where let's say the husband cheats on the wife it, it's always a really big deal. And usually they'll have a conversation, they'll, they'll break up, they'll divorce. Uh, someone's going to cry really hard over it. Uh, I don't know how it's portrayed in French movies. I don't remember seeing that. But do you feel like it has something to do as well with French kind of being, seeing love through grayish tones in, in terms of like, well, let's be realistic. You know, love is love, but passion comes and goes and so hmm. you know i can love you but that doesn't mean that i'm going to be monogamous i'm not going to be with one person my entire life that's kind of real unrealistic as well as a standard whereas like americans are like no no we're together so there's more of a sense that it doesn't matter what's realistic this is the happy end to to the relationship that is often shown in the movies as well like we ride off into the sunset the end yeah, so I guess maybe the what what you're trying to to say is like the sort of maybe being more conscious that's 
love or long-term love or long-term passion is sort of an illusion and that for that reason like once the passion is kind of over and like the sort of excitement you have with like oh this body like I'm so attracted to this body once that is over it's okay to go and look for that with with other people maybe maybe that's true maybe we do have that sense of this more realistic view on on love and the fact that you know you fall in love but you fall out of love and that it's okay in a way I don't know like it would be interesting actually to look at the um, uh, as you mentioned like um, once there's an act of infidelity in a movie how is that resolved and what is the sort of you know like uh, what sort of characteristic or uh, connotation would do we attach to the person that cheats um, is it cheating for love and therefore you know what like I wanted to make a video on it, but maybe I will. Um, on the fact that one of the most precious, beloved um, movie romance is Titanic. And Titanic is about a woman, like, you know, cheating on her husband with, with a younger kid, you know? Like, th so this is kind of problematic. Like, this is kind of bad. But again, like, this is seen as, like, such a romantic story. So, you know, there's a lot of things of, to, to, to reflect on that. And I feel like Titanic is... It could have been a French movie because <laughs> like, the, the sort of story of like the the woman falling in love with someone else and then questioning her relationship and like living eventually. But it's like it's still OK because it's love and like we understand it. I feel like this would be way more common, whereas in American movies or things like that, it's like, oh, infidelity. Like this person is now bad for the rest of their lives. And it's like they can't change. They're just a bad person. Um, yeah, may maybe there's something to 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 look into there. But I think it's interesting because, you know, Americans, they made her husband the bad guy in the end. Like, he, they yeah. really pushed that, that he was like, he was like a bad person. He he took yeah. the boat, he made, you know. Uh, I do feel like in most, let's say, even European movies, the happy ending is not guaranteed. Uh, a lot of times the ending is just, it's like, well, what just happened? And something I find really interesting, and I don't know if you you know of a sexologist, Esther Perel. Yeah. She, she's wonderful. And she's uh, she's Belgian. She's not French, but... She wrote a book called Mating in Captivity, which is wonderful. And it talks about the fact that uh, specifically for, let's say, Americans, um, the notion of having sex is very much regulated. It's like, well, we need to have sex this amount of times, mm. you know, or our relationship isn't going to be deemed normal. Uh, whereas in in reality, there's no such thing. It's not about the X amount of times that you're going to have sex. It's the quality of the sex. But it's also the fact that when you are very close together, when you're very much in love, that's when you may lose the appetite for sex because you're too much of the same person. There's no distance between you, right? So she talks about leaving that space, that distance. And she also talks about infidelity. And, and she shocked a lot of people by saying that, yeah. look, if someone cheats on you, it's not necessarily the 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 point for you to 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 break up with them you know you, you need to talk it over and see what the re what the reason was what the issue was but it's very much uh not to be expected but it, it can be a part of the relationship that can happen whereas like i feel like in, in america it's very much oh you did that you crushed everything you ha we had you killed the whole relationship but it's like no we were together 15 years before that did i really kill the whole relationship mm. by cheating on you we did have yeah. those 15 great years so that one slip up is that going to be a, re a reason for us to completely end the relationship so that's something very interesting because it's talking about the grayish tones of the relationship but not necessarily you did this one thing it's over we're done mm. no no i do i, I really 
admire her work and I remember watching it a lot when I was younger and trying to figure out like um, all those things you know like trying to learn about like hey how to do a relationship I'm I very much resonated with her approach and as you say like a very nuanced very honest approach as well like she's very very honest um, with whatever topic she 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 dives in and I feel like that's why people love her so much as well because like hey we're all human beings like we are sometimes prey to temptation we do things that are wrong but as you said like does it really reflect like all this time that I've loved you and I continue to love you maybe I love you in a different way and that's okay and we can talk about it as well because like sometimes yeah like your your love for someone will evolve it will stop being something very passionate very something very physical and then as things move on it's like oh I'm starting to lose that sort of physical attraction then but this is it is replaced with way more affection and I see you differently and it's like yeah, things are evolving and it's normal that we, you know, I have a big issue with the idea that you commit to someone and you commit to that person the way they were at a specific moment and you're expecting that person to remain the same. It's, oh, I, I don't, you know, like a relationship is beautiful when you leave space for people to evolve by themselves, to grow, to learn, and yes, maybe change to the point where you're not compatible anymore. You can't you, you can't own someone to the point where you're just preventing them from yeah finding their true self their authentic self and that means sexuality because like you know you can discover things about your sexuality your entire life like some people discover that they're queer at like you know way advanced in 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 their lives so it's like living that space as you said that sort of distance to to make sure that you have yeah you have that space to to grow as an individual and that is going to reflect in your relationship as well your relationship is going to be so much better if because what are you going to bring to the relationship if you're not growing as an individual it's just, just going to be circling back on like memories and like and saying to the other person i love you i love you but do you really love them like or you just love the fact that they belong to you that that's something i i ask myself a lot when i'm in relationships like do I love this person or am I more attracted by the fact that I have that stability, that comfort of having someone I can talk to or having someone I can socialize with anytime? And that's one of the reasons why I, I, I broke up recently, actually, because I felt like um, I was not growing as an individual anymore. I was just maybe relying too much on that relationship to, yeah, have my dose of so socialization and things like that. And um I feel like yeah maybe that was that was something that that went wrong but so, so I'm trying to change you know and it's not because I, that's that's the thing it's like my my ex and I like we we get along we we're friends like we 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 have so much in common and, and I love this person I still love them but at the same time like I feel like they could grow as an individual without me and I could continue to grow by myself as well and I feel like we need that distance in that case it means breaking up but like you can manage things while also remaining in that relationship but that's something I always tell my friends stuff is that include distance include space in your relationship like that's so 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 important really yeah I I think I 100% I agree with what you just said I, you know what's interesting is when people are asked when they find their partner the most attractive do you know what they say what do they say well let me ask you that question when did you find <laughs> your ex-partner the most attractive or I don't know if you're currently in a relationship, are you? Uh, no, 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 no. No. Okay, so let's talk about your ex-partner. When did you find him the most attractive? Um, and it's it's always the same thing with other people, uh, with people in general. It's when they do something that they are passionate about. So playing sports, doing something artistic, 
just when when I can see them being very confident and be, being very involved and passionate about what they're doing, that's the moment where I'm like, oh, I love this person. Like, I love what they do. I love just like, and I hate them the most. I dislike them the most when they feel like they're obsessed with me. Like, just like way too invest in the relationship. But like to a point where it's just too much, you know, where you feel like, again, like lack of space, lack of distance. When they're too into me, like I'm just starting to lose losing trust in, in, in the person. I don't know if that's weird or what, but like that's that's the way it works for me. Yeah, what about so you? exactly that. So that was the yeah. that was the answer. And and a hundred percent it's the same for me. So I think mm -hmm. that's something very interesting because you know we can say that all oh, men feel like that, but women feel like that as well. You know, we 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 like we like people when we can see them with fresh eyes. When we look at yeah. them when we say, oh wow, they're really in their element. They're really enjoying what they're doing. Other people are looking at them maybe. Uh mm -hmm. other people are seeing them without all the baggage of the relationship without all, all of that you know past experience and they don't necessarily belong to me in that moment mm, and so you see yeah. them through fresh eyes and that kind of reignites the attraction um, mm. and i i think and that, that was the the most common answer a lot of times what we do uh and i think more so as women is that we really lose ourselves in the relationship and that makes our partner typically lose attraction for us because we're no longer our own person we're basically mm. just an extension of them and that's not yeah. very attractive. Mm. So I think uh, that's something very, very interesting about how it's really important to preserve the your own independence, your own set of hobbies, uh, growing as a person. Because if you're not interesting to yourself, you're probably not going to be very interesting to other people either. One of the reasons why I became a feminist um, is because I looked back on like my experiences growing up in, in the countryside, being surrounded by a lot of housewives or women who devoted a lot of time and energy to uh, raising their children. And I always told tell about this uh tell people about this anecdote of me at my tennis club sitting at the table where all the the, the women were all the mothers were and it took like five minutes before they started complaining about their husbands complaining about like all their lost opportunities the fact that they they were going to uni but they had to stop because they needed to care about the children or they want to go on holidays but they can't because the husband doesn't want to and things like that and that was the moment where I'm like oh, that's not normal. You know, they should be able to live the life they want, really. And even if they are happy the way they are, I'm always, like, thinking about what could have been their lives if they they weren't that, those pressures. And I feel like now it's becoming more and more common for, for <clears throat> you know, housewives or, or or just women with children to 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 have hobbies. So, for example, at my tennis club, because um, I'm also a tennis instructor, uh, we had more and more groups of women playing tennis. And that was great. That was amazing. But at the same time, it was not perfect because, like, after the tennis lesson, they would have to go straight back home to take care of the kids. While the husbands, usually when they play, they could stay for an extra drink or things like that. So you could still see that sort of difference. Uh, but I remember even recently I went to, it was the, in France, we have uh, one day where we celebrate music uh, in June. And um, there was a group of women again, like I would say 30 to 50 years old women uh, playing instruments and things like that. And I was like, oh, I, I really, really love to see that. That makes me very emotional because I know what a struggle it is for these women in particular who have children, who usually have to take care of them more than their husbands, who have to take care of the house, etc. What a struggle it is for them to be in that place to 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 do their hobbies and to to really enjoy and have a good time outside the home how outside the relationship and that makes them better human beings as well and i guess like that will reflect in their relationship um so yeah just hobbies 
just cultivating those hobbies, cultivating an identity. But again, like I know, I know how much of a struggle it can be for some people. Uh, that it's very easy to say that, but sometimes, yeah, it's it's a bit more difficult. But gosh, it it really is a big deal, really. So we currently live in a world where women are very independent, much more independent than ever. And there many of them are rejecting the ideals of the past, like getting married or having children. How do you think this is affecting us as a society? I definitely think it's a good thing because with independence comes, and usually when we talk about independence, obviously we talk about financial independence, so which brings more independence because like, yeah, you can actually live a life by yourself. You can uh, skip the idea of, you know, uh, settling down or having children I mean those can also be related to other financial concerns but generally speaking like just being independent having your own career etc um, is 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 a good thing um, in terms of like the sort of feminism movement um, now one thing that I do criticize is that maybe we went too far in that direction and when I say too far I mean that we've idealized this idea of oh yeah i'm a career woman i'm a girl boss that we kind of lost track of all the things that can make us happy free liberated because like a lot of women are coming to terms with the idea that or just questioning the idea that liberation can be found through work because they go to work every day and it's like oh i'm not sure i'm enjoying this you know i feel like i'm being exploited uh i don't feel happy or fulfilled at work I just don't like it. I don't feel liberated. I was told that I was going to be happy and independent and free, but I'm I'm clearly not. And that's why I get concerned because like that's precisely at that moment that some women will or men will use that, will use that doubt, will use that unhappiness to promote a return to traditional values where it's like, oh, you're not happy at work, then go back home and you're going to be happy in the kitchen and you're going to have a man taking care of you and blah, blah, blah. So this is very scary. Um, so I feel like it's important, um, and to connect to what we just said, it's really, really important to show women that life is not just about work, uh, or it's not just about domesticity. You know, there, there are other things. It's it's not just. I know, like we're told that this is our value in society as a woman. You make babies and you work. You know, in a capitalist society, that's what what is expected from you. Um, but but there are other things. You can have a political life. You can have an emotional life. You can you know develop hobbies. You can meet friends. That's the thing. I'm, I'm really big on that. Like make friendship, find friends, get out of that relationship. Or it's not about like leaving your husband or leaving your boyfriend or whatever. But like meet friends, make friendship. Uh, try to prioritize that as much as possible. Um, so yeah, I feel like that. That's what I would say. I feel like we we went maybe a bit too far in the girl boss, independent, empowered type of thing and now we're reflecting on this and we don't really have any interesting alternative uh to 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 explore and we need to find an alternative because otherwise traditional values are going to come back so yeah yeah i think it's one or the other it seems like it's either oh you have to be this you know badass girl boss um and work like work like a man be like a man or mm. it's that you have to be the trad wife as, as you mentioned in your book uh where you yeah you sit in pretty clothing with glossy mm. skin. <laughs> you, yeah, like these are obviously like, these are the these are the two extremes, you know, like the super duper girl boss and then the trad wife. Like we are two extremes on one spectrum, but the spectrum remains the same. It's either domesticity 
all the girl boss. And it's like, oh, I want something else. You know, I want to bring something different to my life. I don't want my life to be centered around work, work or domesticity. And often the two are connected because even the girl bosses, like the Sheryl Sandberg, who you know wrote the book Lean In, which was like the Bible of feminism in in the 2010s, I believe. Yeah. Um, like even these women have at some point in their life they know that they're gonna have children yeah you know because I they need to do it you know you don't even know I don't I don't even know if they really question like their their desire to have children or not but it's just like yeah yeah you have to have uh, children at some point so domesticity is always like somewhere you know like it's never fully lost like you're never fully a girl boss like at some point you're gonna have to go back to that somehow. Um, so yeah, this is very interesting to me, very concerning as well. And I wish that yeah, women explored different ways of being, different ways of living outside this sort of very strict binary of work and domesticity. I think it, it's 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 a complicated subject, and you're very right. Like in the book, you, it was quite nuanced the way the way you explained it, which I really enjoyed. I think um, I think it's about for me personally, it's about living the life that you genuinely want to live, and for me. Ideally, it would be a combination of both. Uh, I, I, because you know, for me personally, I mean, I'm in my 30s, and priorities change quite a lot as you get older, mm. and not for everyone. I think, as well, I think now there's such a focus on living in the moment, which I think is wonderful, but we're not really thinking as well what's going to make me happy in 10 years. So maybe nowadays, I really like being the girl boss, and for me personally, I want to keep doing this my whole life. Like I, I don't see myself uh, being a stay-at-home mom I, I love what i do but i love what i do not everybody loves what they do and so mm -hmm. for me i, I want to keep doing this forever because i feel like it makes me an interesting person i'm learning a lot and it's just i want to have my own um my own business but uh i think for other women maybe priorities are different like i know women they have no interest in working all they want to do is take care of kids and that's fine. I feel like if that makes them happy, let them live their own life and, and let them do their own thing. Um, if that makes them happy, if they're not doing it because they have to, because it's, you know, they're pressured. And so many societies pressure women into living a life that's not true to their own, where they, they wake up at 80 and they have so many regrets about a life that was just lived by someone else's standards. And mm -hmm. I think like that, for me, the focus is living that kind of life. I think what you said about community and having friends is very important because there's so many studies done about us living a, a way happier life and a longer life if we have that sense of community. And we used to have community back in the day. We all lived in communities. Nowadays, home signifies the four walls, but before it used to be a whole group of people that supported us. So yeah. we, we didn't really get married for partnership necessarily. It was more, you know, an arrangement, but we had mm. our friends to 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 lean back on and we had that whole group of people that supported us and many societies still have that but we are lonelier than ever because we don't have that sense of community we mm. don't have a relationship to people uh we're just by ourselves and so um i think to each their own in my personal opinion uh but I think we are, what happens with society is like we go so far left and we go so far right in the end. So it's like we go to one end of the spectrum, like, no, no, badass, you know, kick-ass woman. And then we're like, no, 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 this is not working. Whoa, let's go all the way back and now promote a completely like polar opposite way of mm. life. No, you see what I find interesting there is that I think that what you say is totally valid and totally true. Like some some people have different desires. The only thing I'm worried about, and again, it's the same thing on that spectrum, you know, it's like, 
because we live in a capitalist society, neoliberalism, so it's all about the self. It's all about like the individual and you see it like in the, it's reflected in dating apps, it's reflected in everything that we create. And what I'm worried about with like the rise of, for example, like, uh, you know, trad wives or things like that, it's like, it's a vision of motherhood that is very individualized. It's about, I want to be a mother and I'm going to be a mother by myself in my little house, lost in the countryside. And what I fear about that is isolation, social isolation. And as you mentioned, like in the past, like um, it was way more common to have like several generations living in the same home or, um, you know, like it was way more common for parents to uh, die younger or to, to, you know, like children to be sick or things like that. So like sometimes like an uncle and aunt would take care of the kids. So now like everything is so privatized, so individualized that when someone says, I want to be a housewife, that means that they're going to be very isolated. And it is possible that it is not the case, but because of the structure of society, because of the way that, you know, it's becoming harder and harder to, you know, you, you need someone else to 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 live in a place, for example, like, uh, you know, prices are going up, etc. So it, everything, neoliberalism, like all the, those policies, all the, the constraint, financial constraints, push us towards more and more, more, more isolation. So in that context, when someone says, I want to be a housewife, I want to, you know, like, just let my husband provide for me and, and, and my family, I'm always like, be careful, girl, <laughs> be, be careful, really, because it doesn't work like it used to do where you had a community where you could talk to. Uh, and that's why, again, I emphasize on friendships because like when you have a friend, that means you have someone to talk to. Uh, so if something goes wrong, if your relationship is not doing well, you know, you have something, someone you can talk to and someone's going to say, Hey, maybe it's the right time to, to leave that relationship or maybe you're not fulfilled. And as you said earlier, like we, I feel like sometimes like being a housewife also means, as you said, like you become an extension of, of, of your husband. You just become like the emotional support of the entire family. And therefore, maybe you have time, you, you struggle to to define your own self, to define your own identity. Um, but, but there are ways to do that. Um, again, by valorizing friendship, by being active in the community. A lot of housewives... Um, uh, I mean, a, a lot of social movements that exist were started by women who had the time to, to you know, like uh, engage in those things because they had a husband to to rely on as well. Like uh, uh, usually, like the the movement who the women who started the, the big social movements who were part of social movements were the women who had time to invest in those things as well. So th these are all things to take into account. And like, I, I like the fact that you bring that sort of historical aspect into it because, yeah, like. Saying I want to be a housewife or I'm a housewife a long time ago is not the same thing as today. And I feel like because of that, we need to be cautious. Uh, like we, need, we need to 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 pay attention to to that and be as careful as possible with with the choices we make. And why are we making these choices? And what are the circumstances? What does that mean for me and my life to make that choice? Um, but once the choices are informed, like I'm not going to tell someone like this is bad. You shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. It's more like yeah, like if that's really what you want to do, like, I'm, and if you feel happy in doing this, you know, like it's, I'm not going to impose anything on you. It's like, you live your life. Um, I just want you to be aware of the choices you've made.
Yeah, I'm always worried when something becomes a fad. As you said, if it's an informed choice, I very much respect that because again, I, I'm not going to live your life. You're going to live with all the regrets that you're going to yeah. live with, right? So if that's something that you genuinely want to do, do it. But going online and of course telling everyone about it as that that's the new thing to do. I, I never like fads because I feel like fads come and go and then uh, people just, they, people are so lost in their life. They're looking for kind of the, 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 the way to go. And so a lot of people are not even thinking through their decisions. They're just going with whatever is the, the thing to do, Trendy. right? Yeah. Trendy. Yeah. The trends, the whole concept of trends, I find incredibly, I, I just. Limiting. They're limiting. Exactly. I mean, even when we look at TikTok and, oh, now everyone's doing that type of video, I specifically never do that because, mm. sure, it works really well for the algorithm, but do I really want to go viral because I followed a trend that every single person out there was doing? Am I in mm. high school? I, I'm just, I'm way past <laughs> that age where I'm going to be wearing the same shirt because the, the new girl in school or the popular girl in school is wearing that. Mm, but people are going to reward you for that because like I, I see it with with YouTube as well. It's like I could be making a video about like every new trendy topic or every new algorithm friendly thing. But sometimes I just pause and I go, no, maybe I actually don't want to do that because what image do I project? You know, like what sort of person do, do I look like when I do that? I look like someone who's like hopping on trends to get as much attention as possible. And sure, like people will understand that. Sometimes it is necessary and I feel like sometimes, yeah, it is necessary to hop on those trends because maybe you have an important message to to share. But if you just make a, uh, you know, like a very like boring video on like a given topic and you have like this very like not clickbait title at all, like people won't won't listen to the message. So I feel like, yeah, like it, it's it's sort it's of catch finding that too. balance. Yeah, it's yeah. like finding that balance between, yeah, like using the medium the best way you can to share that message, but at the same time, like not end up being the, in, in that vicious circle where it's like always like working for the algorithm, working for the algorithm and not working for the people who enjoy what you do and want to learn more about you and your way of doing really. Yeah, it, exactly. So it's such a catch 22 when you create content because you really have to establish your own voice and you kind of have to always ask yourself the question, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it just to get the numbers? Because if that's the case, you're going to be swept left, right and center trying to catch up with what everyone else is doing. And you're going to lose yourself mm -hmm. essentially because you're not going to be, it's, it's almost like even when we're talking about dating, um, uh, there's a great book by Mark Manson, and it's written for men, but I read it anyways. And it and it's something, and I forgot the term for that, but it's basically very simple. It's kind of like if you're trying to be liked by everyone, essentially, you're not really going to be loved by anyone. And so if you're trying to kind of um, water yourself down, water your personality down so that everyone kind of likes you enough, you're never really mm. going to find that person that loves you or hates you. Yeah. You have to risk being hated to be loved. And so for mm. your kind of content, the people that watch that are not going to be people that are watching videos on what would you rate this girl from one to 10? Like that's a completely different demographic. It's essentially you're attracted to people that, what are, that are your friends and that are your followers. But once they're a follower, they're going to follow you, you specifically, mm. not mm. because you hopped on the latest trend and you're doing that same video that everyone else is doing. And the fad that's going to eventually die because as all fads yeah. do. You know, like, and that's why I'm very happy that my channel grew very, very progressively. No spike, no, it's just like grew very progressively. So that means that the people... Some people came and left and it's okay, you know, it's part of the deal. But I had this core community that's been here for ages because I've always done the same thing. Like the the the, the way I do things and the, the way I talk about those things, it, it hasn't changed much. The topics have changed, the analysis have changed, etc. But deeply, like, 
I'm still me and I have my brand, let's say, if we have to call it that way. Um, and that's what people want, really. They, they, they want to follow someone. They want to see consistency and they want to see someone who's passionate about what they're doing and who's not doing it because, yeah, that's that's what should be done at that moment in time or whatever. And I guess another thing with that as well is that, uh, and something I talk about in the book is the um, online and the pressure to 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 adopt online discourse and to to follow online discourse and to be kind of a slave to online discourse. But like again, like I was saying earlier, like when you go out and talk to people and actually listen to what they care about, like sometimes you realize that uh, what is happening online is just like such a small. It, it's in, it's it's significant really, and so the the you commenting what is happening there is also going to be insignificant. What what sort of content do you make? What sort of ideas do you want to push forward? What sort of yeah? What why are you on the platform really? And like that's something I keep asking myself all the time because like the pressure to you know to engage with online discourse or to be a slave to online discourse is like so strong sometimes. Of course, and that's because if you if you do that, you get the hits because people yeah. are searching for that, you know, so that's an easier way to grow. But whether mm -hmm. or not that's the right way for you personally, you, I think you have to have a lot of integrity and be a really strong person and really understand why you're there to create content. When I started, I was it was eight years ago. I wanted to make videos on how to date a French man. And nowadays I'm like, I'm, I'm too old for this. It no longer interests me. So people saw, oftentimes, I got a little bit pigeonholed into that because I made a lot of funny skits on how it's like dating different cultures. And mm. that was interesting to me at the time. But now I want my, my goal is to go deeper into maybe the sociological factor of it all, you know? And, and that's why I started the podcast because I want to have these conversations and it's not just, Give me 10 things to know about, you know, what happens when you go on a date mm. with a French guy. And um, <clears throat> I think that, again, it's talking about how we grow and how our interests mm. change. But it's also like staying true to yourself and what makes you excited about doing what you do. Because when I talk to a lot of YouTubers, and I know you don't like the term YouTuber, you don't want to be called a YouTuber, just like me. Or influencer, that's the worst. I hate influencer, that. yeah. Oh, that really gets me. I just imagine myself <laughs> like talking about eating it sounds like jail. propaganda it's like <laughs> yes. yeah like i'm a propagandist i just influence <laughs> exactly. people and they just listen to everything i say it's just... no i wish i wish i was an influencer because people would buy things from me like my sponsorships <laughs> don't do very well <laughs> because they're like we, we don't care about what you're just do just do interviews and stuff but uh i wish i wish i was like guys buy this and i would make a whole bunch of money but i never wanted mm. to be an influencer for that reason is that like i hate that word uh i don't i don't see myself as that and uh yeah i and uh and again it's uh, a lot of people are on youtube just to create content so they're like oh i don't know i'm just like a lifestyle diy da -da 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 -da. the list goes on i just log about my life i'm like i think you need to be a little bit more concrete about why you're there i mean is it just to yeah. make money because you're going to be in it for the long haul girl or boy that it's not going to be just a one day kind of spike thing you're not going to become the next um Mr. Beast, you know, and uh, yeah. it, it, that doesn't happen for a lot of people. If it does, it can have negative consequences as well. Mm. Because once you spike, you're then expected to keep up with that same content that like you've been pigeonholed into that. So exactly. It, yeah. it can That's be even worse. Say. Yeah. Yeah. It's like sometimes like you don't even define your, again, brand. I don't like this term, but like your identity, <laughs> your online identity, you don't define it yourself. Like people will define it for you. So it has happened times where I produce a video. I'm not like super happy about it, but I'm like, okay, at least I've done something. And like, it turns out to be something that people are really interested in. And then they keep asking me about doing the same thing or blah, blah. And I'm like, oh no, that's not what I wanted to do. So I feel like, to be honest, like I haven't found myself in that situation too much. So I feel like 
what I do online is very much what I'm passionate about. And like, I, I, I feel like I'm free to really uh, work on, invest, research, any topic that I'm really interested in. But I know some creators who, yeah, went viral with something that they were not really passionate about or that was not really what they wanted to do. And from now on, they just have to continue to provide the same sort of content. And that's that must be very frustrating. Like that, that must be really, really frustrating. Yeah, there was a there was a Dutch YouTuber that I I don't know if you know her, but she she went viral a couple of years ago or a few years ago rather. And she was doing videos on just languages. I think it was like Dutch something something. And then she did a video reacting to Brazilian Portuguese. And Brazilians they have a very strong social media community, and mm -hmm. so they loved her because she's you know blonde European and she's reacting to mm. her language. And they asked her to make another one and another one and another one. And you know a few months later all she was doing was Brazilian content and I was like was that something you genuinely wanted to do or was that something that that was a you know the best seller so to speak so she got really pigeonholed into that and then she went to Brazil and she stayed there I think so it was just <laughs> I saw that whole thing her all identity god damn it <laughs> that whole channel was all in front of my eyes I was like I don't even know if I would like that kind of uh publicity you know it's then you're then that's it that's all you're doing but um yeah, I, I really love this conversation and I, I I must admit I didn't read the full book because I didn't have a lot of time, but I it's read okay. quite a lot of okay. chapters and it was very, very interesting. You pull out a lot of information from different creators, different sources. So guys, for anyone that's listening to this podcast and want to delve deeper into uh, Alice's work, she's a, she doesn't want to be called a YouTuber. I, I want to call you a mm. social commentator. I think that probably fits better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's, we say video essays, social commentators. I feel like I'm in between the two. So like both terms work very well. Or online analysts. I mean, there are so many terms like to avoid that influencer label. <laughs> but like, you know, why not in the end? Like, why not using the term influencer? Why having a stigma around it? We do influence people. That's true. But call me whatever you want to call me. I'll take it. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Anyways, if you guys enjoyed the podcast, let us know in the comments below if you have any questions for Alice as well. Uh, post them on YouTube and you can also do that on Spotify. I'm not sure about Apple. I haven't figured out the logistics of Apple yet, <laughs> but uh, you can go work ahead and <laughs> work in progress. There's too many platforms to manage. So I'm just one person. But um, yeah, if you guys liked it, let us know in the comments below. And if you want to check out Alice's Instagram, YouTube, I'm going to link to all of that below. Alice, thank you so much for taking part. Such a great conversation. Was so yeah, much, I loved culture. it. Like we went all around, all all over the place, which I really love with this. I love it. I love it when it's like very genuine, very like go with the flow type of conversations. There, these are the best, and I hope people uh, will have enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs>